0: Is August 19th, 2017, and this is the Dual Assessment, your podcast for Yu Gi Oh! Duel Links. My name is Green Ranger.
1: And I'm Deck Tech.
0: And it's the week after Worlds on Duel Links. The Paradox Brothers are here with, with a new card and some of the old cards as well. And uh, most of the community has been talking about some of the c- recent complaints about free to play, and also uh, DK had, had some insights. About how to improve the process of streamlining communication with Konami. Uh, so mostly, it's been not much, not not too many things have been going on in the dual dual world itself, but there's just been a lot of talk uh, going on. So um, Deck Tech, what have you been up to? Uh,
1: so of course I've been playing against the uh, Paradox Brothers, as everyone has. But <clears throat> kind of my more personal struggle was that I finally finished buying through Flame Tyrant. Mm -hmm. It took uh, 140 packs, so that was a little bit unlucky. Um, I think, as I mentioned last time, the stupid first Venus was in the 78th pack of of my first run through, or I should say my second run through, because I bought it once through um, when it first came out. And then I had to get another 60-some-odd the second time through to get my third one but that means that i now have a full set of venus and a full set of sergeant electro Um, sergeant electro still sees a good amount of play in control decks and venus has been um, out of favor for a little bit but it's something that i wanted to try for a long time i think it's currently out of favor because um kind of one of the benefits of it is that you have these normal monsters that you can use as easy fodder for things like Order to Charge and now Order to Charge is a little bit um, outclassed by things like Super Rush Headlong but I've been playing the deck up in Platinum, I think I'm at Plat 4 and it's doing really well. I think I went 6 and 1 with it so far minus a couple games that I dropped for stupid reasons like I got a phone call on one and I forget what the other thing was but I I dropped a couple games for reasons that had nothing to do with the deck, and uh, other than that, it's been performing really well. It plays like a control deck, but it has a little bit more of like explosive power when you get like the perfect finish, and um, the cost of that is that you have less individually powerful cards because you're playing um, Venus itself is 1600 uh, with zero defense, and then of course the shine balls are not particularly strong. Uh, But you can get back your Gemini monsters with uh, uh, the Red Lotus, which it all kind of synergizes well, the Knight of the Red Lotus. So I've been using that to help out with, like, Red Eyes and stuff because it's a really strong, normal monster that you can then summon and get rid of their stuff. So I think it matches up well and that it's, um, I guess, unfairly not in the meta anymore. Because uh, I think people kind of see the, the, the common trends and they don't want to look at this thing that appears to be kind of behind the times. But I think it matches up just fine. And we'll see if it still works for me up in Legend when I get there. But uh, so far, so good. And more importantly, perhaps, I'm having a ball. So um, <laughs> having a ball. Totally unintentional. But yes, having a lot of fun with my Shine Balls. How about you? How's it going?
0: All right. So, I've been uh, I've been involved with a lot of moving lately. That's why I wasn't in the last episode. But um, and also job interviews. So real life has been hitting me hard. But yesterday, uh, I was finally getting back to PvP. Uh, I got to I'm close to forty now. But um, it was interesting getting back to gold, in that. I was playing a lot of people who didn't have cards. Uh, they were just hitting into my mirror walls non-stop. Uh, Super Rush had long known, had that known, had enemy controller. So I made it to Platinum. Uh, pretty much just... I got, I got disconnected once, but I pretty much win all the games with uh, Zombie Gemini, which is still uh, one Gozuki version, so pretty bad version that's still winning in gold but I'm platinum now so I expect my PvP wins to come a little slower now um I am still trying to buy Crimson Kingdom packs uh, for the Gozuki but I'm about halfway into the second set and I still don't have them yet but I, I got like a ton of other stuff like a prismatic uh zombie uh, red eye zombie for example um mm. And I did, I finished the Paradox event yesterday, but uh, nice. I, have, I have almost everything. I just have one uh, destruct potion, but uh, three of everything else.
1: Nice. And um, your new place is why we're recording on Saturday, right?
0: Right, yeah, we're recording on Saturdays now, just uh, to fit the schedule here, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm trying to do it with fewer people around. Um, there's a lot of noise. Have you ever been to New York City? It's just... Really loud, so <laughs> I don't like dealing with that before I was um in a college setting i was, I lived in a next to a college campus, so the only thing you had to deal with were, were drunk people at night, but that's not really you know there's no, yep. there's, no there's no babies screaming around in the college area.
1: <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back
0: thank you you did great last week
1: <laughs> we tried
0: yeah all right, so we're gonna move on to the news. Um, It's going to be a follow-up on the World Championships. Uh, If you missed it, Timmy from New Zealand won first place. uh, And Deck Deck talked about it last week. And also all the replays are on the game client in uh, Kaiba Cup report number four. So you can check out all the replays or brackets in the games. Um, The fourth place finisher from Malaysia, I think uh, Silent Fold, posted some of the information right away pretty fast on reddit about his prizes uh well, it was, it was first put on facebook but someone translated it and put on reddit um so the main prizes it seemed like were cards instead of cash prizes uh you have an experience with uh card rewards right from your past game shop
1: yeah i mean not personally but i my understanding is that yugio's done it this way for a while now um I remember at one point my buddies over at Comic Odyssey where I used to play in uh, Pasadena had uh, uh, Cyberstein was introduced this way to the original TCG and so uh, obviously with 8,000 life points that card was better than with 4,000 so it was a really strong card and I think at one point the Comic Odyssey guys had something like 8 out of the 10 that existed in the world or something like that and I remember they were actually using it in their decks because it was really good. And it was probably like a uh, recurring cycle where they would use it to win more of them or something. And Anyway.
0: Did they let you touch the card? <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't know if I ever touched the Cyberstein.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember oh, when I was younger, I, had, I got a Trihorn Dragon, which is the only secret rare I ever got. And someone touched it. Like, I didn't have a, a screen on it or anything or a uh, rapping on it someone just touched the hologram and i freaked out I, like freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways um a person i read it named cnh translated it in english um so they got they got plane tickets for free then this is this echoes what dk said they were very generous about providing things for the players so they could be comfortable. So plane tickets, hotel fees, transport, Wi-Fi, and food. And the Wi-Fi is important so they could practice the games uh, in their hotel or wherever. Mm. Um, and also the, the cash cards that we mentioned before, they're worth... Uh, t- the one Timmy got, we don't really know what that is right now, but it's $35,000. 2nd third, and fourth place got $72,000 cards. Seventy $7, two hundred. $7, and then the uh, the other guys got two thousand uh, dollar cards, and there were additional prizes: first and second place, a live streaming duel with screen time; first to third place got an interview with Tokyo TV, a mag- uh, the magazine interview and merchandise from Tokyo TV, and everyone got shirt tags, participation participation certificate, etc. DK had actually got an interview too. Um, if you go to his um. There's a Dual Links Meta Instagram, I think, and hmm. it's out of that or some other one. But I saw he was getting interviewed by someone, so maybe guess it's he's about, a. It's more about the community. The Duel Links Meta, problem.
1: Right, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Is that he's probably you know not just a notable person in the American community, but just in the Dual Links community as a whole. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple things I wanted to clarify and, and just point out on this. It the cards were not like like uh, gift cards or anything that's worth this much. It wasn't like an Amex or anything. Th- these are actual Yu-Gi-Oh cards that are, I guess, because uh, Konami prints such a limited supply. One of these uh, first place cards for each worlds, or or maybe just one of them once, or whatever. Um, they have like pretty defined market values. So these are like the estimated values based on. Um, I don't know whatever however they decide these things I think Decade said he actually did sell his card for 2000 so um, pretty close and I guess if you can control the market so much and that you have a pretty good idea on what the uh, the prize pools are you can do this instead of actually giving money but like 35 grand for first place pretty solid Um I'm not sure if 7,200 was intended. That's a slightly weird number, but like 2,000 makes sense. So I guess they have doing a pretty good job of curating these cards to the point that it's the prize amounts that they want to give out without giving out money, which also might have a specific legal reason um, either in Japan or in right. yeah. one of the countries that they're big in that they don't want to give money, but they want to give things with very defined values.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And These cards, I don't know if they exist in another form in the TCG, or if this one has like a special foil on it to make it the way it is. Maybe I
1: don't know. I don't know. It's also in a special container. He he pointed or er, um, Silent Loft fold, uh, okay. fold.
0: Fold. Yeah, Silent Fold. I think they called it.
1: Okay. It's not how it's spelled, but whatever. Um, he uh, has... Like, he, he posted his card, and it has, like, a special container as well. It doesn't show the top or bottom of the container, but, like, it could have some sort of special markings on it. Like, I don't know. That'd yeah, be kind I'm, of cool. I'm looking
0: at the set, and there's only two cards in the set for uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! World Championship 2017 prize cards. Hmm. So I wonder how yeah. the value is... The find from, like, the first place and the third place guy. Or, like, Decade's, because...
1: Well, yeah, I saw a picture, I think, uh, from Decade's Instagram in which he had three cards, so maybe first place um, got all three, yeah. or, yeah, something like that.
0: And this card's kind of crazy, the one that Silent Full got. We were talking about it, how if it attacks and wins the game, you win a match, so you don't... You win, like, all the other duels, just by winning with one card
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty crazy so uh, as we know um, now both the original Yu-Gi-Oh format and the new Duel Links format you are winning a best 2 out of 3 and this card says if when you attack with this card it reduces your opponent's life points to 0 you win not just that game but the entire match so that's pretty crazy it's like it's always funny to see cards that are outside of the game. You know, it's yeah. uh, referring to... It's kind of like breaking the fourth wall a little bit. It's interesting.
0: But This page just says illegal, too, so no one can officially use this card.
1: Oh, so that's even weirder. That makes it like...
0: It's more of a trophy, then.
1: Right, yeah, that makes it like a cash prize trophy thing instead of... it. it I guess it just hurts the... Uh, the pretend image that it's you're giving away cards and, oh, well, people might sell them and we have no control over that, so I don't know. Yeah. But I do know that my the, my buddies at Comic Odyssey were definitely playing with their Cybersteins, and I think that might have been part of the the reason why they got in trouble. Mm. Not that they weren't supposed to, but that it was causing issues for the game.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, at that time, especially when there weren't a ton of really powerful cards, I'm assuming
1: yeah i mean there were they still had like regeki and uh mirror wall and uh mirror force and all of those like goodies Rachel's but triggered. yeah hell every everything but um but yeah it was definitely a smaller card pool with, um, which made it a lot easier to kind of just play one of each of the best cards and then you can <laughs> abuse it so i don't know
0: and um on DK's summary stream, he also talked about uh, you know, all the issues that went into the event. It was the first dual links um, world event, so they they had a lot of issues. Just to sum it up, they had a lot of issues. Um, <laughs> and one of the issues was that the deck lists were leaked prior to the event. And um, I don't think DK plays Hearthstone. Uh, he mentioned it might try it or something, but. He comes from a Yu-Gi-Oh! background, so I assume in Yu-Gi-Oh! they don't share the deck list since he was so shocked that it was leaked beforehand. And, um... I don't know, what are the pros and cons of seeing a deck list beforehand versus knowing what your opponent has right away?
1: Right. So, um... I guess the the counterpoint... and not counterpoint, but the, uh... The comparison is to Hearthstone, because in Hearthstone they have both open and closed decklist events. And the way that I see it, the distinction between them is what the organizers want to um, kind of emphasize and reward. So if you have closed decklists, that encourages things like uh, decklist uh innovation. And tech cards and all that stuff, unexpected things in your deck list, because that way you can win by surprise. And um, to a certain extent, that rewards people who are innovative deck builders, because they get this advantage from the surprise factor that's taken away if they have open deck lists. Uh, it also, however, rewards players who just aren't as good, because they can just sneak, like, they can win games just by playing kind of like troll cards that um, surprise their opponents. And so that's why some people prefer the open decklist formats, because uh, that, at least in theory, rewards the better player um, more often, because the better players will be able to see their opponent's decklist and um, play the entire match with all of their opponents' uh, information in mind. And... So there's no games won by the surprise factor. There's no games, um, you know, you can make every play based on what you know your opponent to have. And so I think that I like the open deck list format for things like uh, world championships because I want the best player in the world, um, or at least, you know, obviously there's RNG in card games, but you want the best players to win more often in these events that are considered like the major events so that you're showcasing the, the skill and rewarding the best players, um, when they win. So I like that, but I'm kind of a brewer. I like to tinker with stuff. I like tech index. That's, you know, hence my name. And so I, uh, I prefer the closed list format for maybe like smaller events and, um, casual tournaments and, I understand that it kind of causes a little bit of a disconnect if you have different formats for, you know, if everything you do leading up to Worlds is closed deck and then all of a sudden Worlds is open deck, then that's kind of a little bit weird. But um, I don't know. It seems like there's advantages to both, and I kind of want both to exist in different um, parts of it. Also, if you have closed deck formats, then you get those really um, crazy, like, reaction in place. you know that it seems like it might be better for um the stream or whatever for the viewer generally if um if it's closed deck format but the casters know the decks um, it's yeah. always weird when the casters don't know what's coming because <laughs> then well he might have this out he might have this other one i don't know i don't like that but um it is it does add a lot of uh, benefits to have the closed deck but also lots of benefits to the open deck format
0: I think the way it was intended to be was like a partial, like a mix because they kind of didn't know what archetype the deck was. So they would know, you know, maybe two thirds of the deck and, um, they would know what ability the duelist had going into the duel. So I think that was the plan was to have the name of the deck. So the ability.
1: um, Oh, I see. yeah. Yeah. Uh, an important caveat, uh, of course, is if the tournament is supposed to be one format and through some sort of mistake or, um, you know, a malicious action or whatever, uh, some players get more information than other players, then obviously that's bad. That's not what I'm talking about here. So if there is a leak that only helps some players, then 100% DK should be upset about that. But... Um, and also, even if it helps all players, like if it 's just a last minute mess up that causes just a total change in the way the tournament's held, then of course that is also even though it 's uh, fair in the sense that it affects everyone yeah. the same way, it can be to the disadvantage of some players who prepared for a certain type of format and then got another one so I, I totally understand all of those complaints we 're talking about more like going forward what can happen, but um, what we definitely know is that everyone knew each other's um, characters going into it. The legendary duelists were all announced uh, like a week before or something like that. So I thought that the way that they were doing it was legendary duelists were announced, but um, skills and decks were not. Oh. And um, that would kind of mirror the Hearthstone format in that you know what heroes your opponent's bringing. But the. The problem with it is that in Hearthstone, you know, you have a designated um, class that has a small card pool, they all have the same hero power within that class, so if you know that your opponent is bringing uh, a certain class, then you sometimes you know exactly what deck they're bringing because there's only one viable deck within that class, but usually it's capped out at like three. Um, Whereas in Duel Links, the Legendary Duelist can learn several different skills, so if you only know the Legendary Duelist and not the skill, then it can, you know, and there's three different uh, permutations of this, you all of a sudden have one that can be five different decks, you have another one that can be three different decks, and you have this last one that can be another two or three decks, and then there's just so many possible lineups that you can't really prepare for it that well, so... If it were a Legendary Duelist and Skill announced, then that would be a little bit weird because it, I feel like there would be... Like, the Legendary Duelist doesn't matter except for the Skill, so um, there were some instances in which certain Legendary Duelists seemed to have been picked because the Skill was a little bit unexpected. Like, if you're running Pegasus and you're running um, Restart, like a couple players were, um, that's a little bit of a flip because you would think Pegasus, oh, maybe it's Mindscan. Um, but, like, so I, I'm inclined to think that it was only supposed to be the legendary duelist announced. And I don't, don't know what Yu-Gi-Oh! should do going forward or what Link should do going forward as to how much information is given versus, um, you know, held back. And I think that giving the legendary duelist but not the skill, was kind of an interesting tweak on it because there was so much more permutations available per Legendary Duelist than the similar structure in Hearthstone that it made it a really interesting mind game where you could kind of play Legendary Duelist with certain skills to be expected and then maybe deviate from it a little bit just to throw your opponent off. And I kind of like that aspect of it.
0: Yeah, that explains why DK used tunes with Kaiba. I mean, right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. That was that was definitely a flip, um, right? It doesn't make sense in a role playing uh, yeah. mindset, but it also doesn't make sense because beatdown was like the most popular skill going into this event and in the event. So when you run Kaiba, who's the only one who can use beatdown and not use beatdown, that was a like I have to assume that that was a deliberate attempt to mess up his opponent and
0: um, him not having the dragon. but <laughs>
1: made that happen. Right. So
0: yeah, uh, there's a lot of go- back and forth, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, uh, hopefully, the one, the events to come are better, go better. Uh, overall, I, I'd say the event was acceptable. I'd say, uh, I mean, apparently some bad things happened, in the some some mistakes happened, but um, it it happens. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean it was the first one they've ever done. Um, mistakes do happen, and even some things that weren't mistakes, so much as just uh, poor decisions. Like it happened exactly how it intended, but maybe that wasn't the best call. You know that type of stuff happens too. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a learning experience, and it seems like um, they're dedicated to continuing dual links and doing this for years to come. So hopefully they will continue to develop it and. And you know, streamlining all of those goodies, yep
0: all right, uh Paradox Brothers are back with a vengeance. Uh, this is the second time they're coming, I think, so if you didn't earn them the first time, they're the latest well, before Merrick, they were the late uh, they were the newest legendary duelist you can unlock, so you can unlock them as a playable character, and they're really worth unlocking because they have uh two abilities that are really good for farming so definitely uh, earn enough points to get these guys. Um, You can challenge them at the gate, or they show up as random spawns. Uh, I think one of the guys, Merrick, didn't show up as a random spawn. I Someone recently did not show up. Um, In the dual world, they come with challenges, so you could choose the power gate, which awards an extra 1,000 dual assessment points, but it deducts 700 dual assessment if you lose, so... If you lose a duel, you're not gonna get anything. You're you're gonna get less than a thousand duel assessment, and uh, it just doesn't. You're gonna get nothing. But an interesting thing about the vagabond like challenges, there's a there's a there's a challenge called no monster effect activation. This actually doesn't affect Cerebrus. I I went into one of the games with Cerberus and he still kept growing in attack. So I don't really know what it, it might mean. Flip effect? I don't know
1: uh yeah, I think it means like activated effects as opposed to uh okay. Cerberus was a triggered effect.
0: Yeah, it's like ill blood activating an effect to summon someone.
1: Right. Yeah. I I think so. Yeah.
0: So uh if you're running a Cerebrus farm, you could still do the no monster effect activation deck. Um and the other ones don't really affect them either. Like uh limited monster zone doesn't affect Cerebrus. Um spell traps that doesn't affect it either so you just keep going for the high dual assessment ones
1: yeah i don't like the spell trap one because sometimes my hand gets too full or whatever and i want to put things down um also my version of it i have two equips and then one slot open for the anti-magic arrows but um other than that i I agree most of them don't really affect um my served farm deck either which is working pretty well i think these guys are really easy to farm um i seem to recall they were pretty easy last time as well but they're this time for sure they're pretty easy it's
0: possible that they had the uh, trap card labyrinth of nightmare in 40 last time i forget but in 30 it makes it really difficult because you can't even set you can't even play serve on your first turn if they have it out of it is your serves going to go into defense mode or your happy girls are going to go to defense mode? So 30 yeah. is impossible
1: to thirty Yeah, 30 was actually way harder than 40. Um, I had the same experience where I, I've actually played against them, I don't know, 30 times or whatever, and I've lost like five. And four of those losses were just the first time through trying to get to 30. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it's a little embarrassing, but uh, the. I mean, that's kind of the hardest one, I would say.
0: Have you been using Unhappy Girl or Serb mostly for this?
1: I've been doing Serb for the 40s. Uh, there, uh. Was
0: a, there was a one with... Uh, I made a first one with a card called That Wacky Magic. Where, mm-hmm. um, it destroys all their monsters based on how many magic cards you have. Um, but that one was really dependent on having... like You couldn't hold on to too many cards, but there were so many dependent cards... To hold on to, so I switched over to a shooting star bow instead of that.
1: Uh, yeah, that's the one I'm doing, the shooting star bow. Yep.
0: Um, how have your rewards been for that? Have, like, there was only one new card, right? The, the struck potion. There's, there's a rare two, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't think that I've gotten. Well, I know that I haven't finished it like you have, because I, I'm not close yet. I still only have like 1 million points or whatever. I just got the Archfiend card last night, I think. So I'm a little bit behind, but I'm definitely going to get there. Um, Almost always with these gate events, what happens is I do my auto duels for the standard duelists throughout the day, and I get most of my standard duelists in, but what it results in is that I have infinite of the uh, whatever token is being used for the particular gate event to spend on the gate event so I just need to sit down and go ham on level 40 farms because I just have so many I think they're gate keys this time that I just need to kind of use them
0: I've been getting a ton of the uh, extra SR rewards like the the trap card damage gate I think so mm-hmm. I'm just getting some SR stones from the farms. I'm done, but if I see him around, I'll still duel.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about our... uh, uh, We're going to give a further two cents on the issues of uh, free-to-play and just the cost of links in general, but uh, spoiler alert, one of the tips is that you want to do these gate events hard, even if you already have uh, uh, all the cards that you need, because these gate events are a free way to get a lot of uh, resources like those jewels and like um, the gems just to use for packs and stuff. So
0: Skills, skills too.
1: Skills, yeah. Definitely skills. If Especially if the event is, allows for easy farming with any character, um, then amazing for skills and you definitely want to do that um, as much as you can if that's the case.
0: Yeah, for this one for serve I used draw sense light, so the, 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 hard, the hard thing is knowing which one of my guys on my team has draw like it's like, right. Pegasus has
1: it. Yeah, I think Pegasus comes with it, because mine has it as well, but I've been doing Serb with um with Yugi for I Spell it. yeah? Spellcaster spell. one? I hate that well, spell. It doesn't work if you have Vassal in there as well, but I just do regular Serb, and it gets me 7,000 and I'm fine with okay. it
0: cuz it needs 1800 instead of 1500 and that is mm. sucks for this one cuz he has 1500 guts. That's what I always like Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have 3 enchanted javelins in mine, which that means that sense. sometimes yeah, sometimes the uh draws are a little bit clunky, but it means that I don't usually die to his early place.
0: That that makes sense why people run that trap card. <laughs> I'm just running all the big yeah. cards. Yeah. All right. Um, the card flipper campaign's back. It seems like it's been a really long time since we've had this, but um, there's a lot of cards this time. Well, like a lot of things to pick from. But uh, yeah, it offers another Mako Master of barriers, so it's the third version I think, because you could have purchased it, purchased it from Ex Gems before. So this might yeah. be the third one here. And then there's an all new card called Aurora Wing, and this is uh, twelve hundred, sixteen hundred winged beast, water attribute. When this card is destroyed by battle and sent to the graveyard, you can special summon this card and face up attack. You can only use this effect once per turn. Pretty good card, right?
1: Yeah, I really like it. I think it it's interesting um, just because it's a different effect, but it's also interesting because it seems like a pretty solid card. Um, we're going to talk about how water is relevant in uh, some cards that are coming to us soon. Um, It also gives you both a life gain effect, uh, you know, kind of, and it gives you a possible ramp effect in that if you play this guy, presumably in uh, defense mode, and then they attack through it and they only have one attacker, then he comes back, and it's like a free um, 1600 life in that sense. And it's also a... um, ramp in the sense that they would have killed your guy but instead they didn't so now you have a um a tribute to use the next turn so that's really cool um i don't think it's going to be like shaping the meta or anything like that i don't think it's going to see play everywhere but i do think it might see a little bit of play and it's an interesting card so hope so
0: it does seem like a budget version of a new card called treeborn frog from the new set if you, mm-hmm. um, did, like you, you don't feel like buying the, the new set. This does the same thing, but it only lasts one turn. I mean, it's less flexible than Treeborn Frog, because that comes back every turn. But uh, it's a it's a budget version of that. And um, it's hard to get tributes out in general, so it's good.
1: Yeah, we also have, like, a Mary Lease and a couple other options right. for people who want to play uh, tributes, but... Um, I I think that there's a lot of unexplored space in this game about Tribute Monsters because everyone's so um, concerned with special summons and efficient uh, four-star monsters. So, you know, they keep it seems like they keep trying to push us into trying out Tribute Monsters and we're just not having it because of the speed duel format. But I do think that, you know, this card's interesting and maybe if they keep pushing it, eventually we'll have a little bit more of that.
0: Yeah, not just regular tributes. In the future, everything's going to come out of the extra deck. Like, if all the mechanics that we don't understand as old players, it's all about tributes. So you you get stuff from the extra deck and you sacrifice it. So, something's going to have to be done if we're moving towards that direction.
1: If you say so, future man.
0: Yep. <laughs> I, I see the future. Uh, Mokuba is coming back next week, and he's just a roaming duelist... Uh, we we can never unlock him so far, so. He's bringing at least one new card, and that's the Frost and Flame Dragon. And this is a 2300-2000 Water Attribute Dragon. So I guess Water beats Fire, so that's why it's a Water. Uh, even though there's a Fire. Gun. Um, can be Normal Summoned or Set. Must be Special Summoned from your hand by banishing one Fire and two Water Attribute monsters from your Graveyard. Can't be special summoned any other way, so uh, Kidmodo can't get it out. Once per yeah. turn, you can discard one card, any card, to target one monster on the field and destroy that target. So this card is a bit like Desert Twister, except it destroys monsters and has different attributes, obviously.
1: Yeah, I like it, and uh, this was one of those the card that I was referring to that means that the Aurora wing being water might be relevant um, just because you want to play more water and fire monsters to make it work. Um, we were talking about it before the show and it seems like um, presently destroying monsters is more relevant than destroying back row um, mostly because of the red eyes decks and you know just the red eyes meta, they don't really care as much if you destroy their back row because a lot of their back rows just uh, you can just activate it and re summon it the the red eyes at that point um, but so this could be better than desert twister was at the time uh, desert twister is, doesn't really see play anymore now like almost at all so it could very easily be better than desert twister currently is um the, it would make for a slightly different type of deck, though, I think. Because I, I was looking at the cards, and Desert Twister worked because a lot of the Earth and Wind monsters were pretty solid, just normal monsters. So you were essentially playing a normal deck that had a slightly specified like, kind of finisher play to just really flip the board and finish it all in one game or in one turn. So it was, um, you would just be playing your 1700 attack guys and your harpies, which were good just to destroy your opponents, uh, harpies hunting ground. And, you know, um, essentially you'd be uh, the four-star ladybug of doom. You know, you're just playing cards that you would have liked to have played anyway. And then you're kind of just tweaking the numbers a little bit to make it into the specified plan so that on the last turn you can summon a 2300 attack guy for free and also clear their board and just swing in for that final push and this based on the tools that we have in fire and in water for getting cards into the graveyard it seems like it might be a little bit more of like excuse me a little bit more of like a combo type deck Um, you've got the various Phoenix support cards like the Fire Island and the uh, Fire King cards that just like to put cards into your graveyard. You've got Screech for water types. Um, you've got some water types, probably some fire types as well, that just like for you to sacrifice them to have an effect. Uh, there's a couple of those in the Hammer Shark deck for sure. Um, so there's a lot of ways to. Efficiently get cards into your graveyard within the fire and water uh, attributes, but they are not as like individually solid and meta, um, you know, relevant cards as was the case with Desert Twister. So that's a little bit interesting. It's just uh, screech. Yeah,
0: because that card is the card that people complained about as being an SR. It's kind of like a clogger spot, and now it finally has like a place. I guess this deck
1: yeah I mean maybe I, I've seen very limited play with like people messing around with it but it's definitely one of those cards that's like kind of a combo activator type card instead of like a card that you would just play um, the last thing I noted was that the and I don't actually even know the real name of it but the Sangan on a bus card
0: tour, tour bus to the forbidden realm right there now. you
1: go tour see I missed you buddy you, you always know. <laughs> I think that's it. Um uh, That one can get you both Jowls of Dark Demise and uh, Lava Golem, which are, of course, a water and a fire, respectively. Um, Fiends. There's also the one Fire Fiend that is seven stars and lets you draw a card. but Ocher. that... Flame <laughs> now yeah. you're just showing off. Yeah. Uh, that one's not as good I think just to play but the other two are cards that you could just kind of play in a deck so um, I think there's a lot of room to experiment here and I'm really hoping that I can grab a couple of the Frost and Flame Dragon because I want to brew something up with it
0: Yep, and there are also complaints about roaming duels in general but I f- personally I thought Mo was one of the easiest people to farm ever like I got all the dark flares and Motos and everything, but it's all RNG, so you don't know what you're going to get.
1: Yeah, I mean, they can make it easier or harder, or, you know, they always tweak them a little bit when they come back anyway, so we'll see.
0: Yep. So, get ready for him. He's coming on Tuesday, I think? Yeah.
1: Uh, Mine, yeah.
0: 22nd. Yeah. So, yep, new guy to farm. And there's also that new legendary duelist that Might have been delayed, they mentioned a new uh, format or something, but that might come in the last week of the month yeah we'll
1: see that. yeah that's true. We had the announcement um, at the beginning before the beginning of the month so i I doubt that they've probably like switched plans up too much because that's a pretty major thing to switch, but I would not be surprised if they are kind of reevaluating um, their launch schedules and everything based on all of the complaints about the most recent set and the cost of playing and everything that's
0: what i think it is. yeah we'll see um and with that
1: amazing transition
0: we're going to the dual school and there are a lot of free to play guides roaming around now with the discussion uh and complaints about how hard it is to be free to play in this game and ramping costs uh, we have some Reddit threads here. Um, one thing that DK implored the community to do is not just to whine, because he said uh, a Konami representative doesn't read those threads. The main connect from the West to Konami is one guy who reads English and speaks it. Uh, he, he doesn't read things that don't have constructive criticism. So uh, we have two red threads here. One with constructive criticism and one uh, just outlines the problems. He said he spent like a thousand dollars in the game, uh, so that kind of sucks. It's understandable why he's upset. And yeah, uh, the other thread has the solutions. I guess they they have a new list of problems and some of the solutions. Um, you want to run through some of the issues that, like, the main issues of the game.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, there's always complaints about the cost of playing, and um, I think that that, I really think that was kind of the catalyst of all of this is that there's this big set dropped um, pretty soon after the two sets immediately prior, um, and we have not yet gotten a huge amount of gem influx. I mean, we've gotten more. Um, it, sam- it seems like they're working on it, but we've not gotten um, enough to kind of cover the the fast pace of the box releases right. and stuff. and um, so one of the one of them is entitled the one the guy who had spent over a thousand dollars is yes, I'm a whale, but this is not sustainable. And that's kind of like the issue is that there are so many packs uh coming out and you can only buy so many with the gems that are available in the game if you're playing at any sort of reasonable pace um in fact i'm not even sure that there are infinite gems in the game because you can just keep playing and you get gems very slowly uh there's also the free gems that we're going to talk about but you can get gems as drop rewards so um from farming or from playing against legendary duelists and you can get free keys infinite free keys from playing in pvp so there are literally an infinite amount of gems in the game but i'm not sure if it's actually um possible to get them at a fast enough pace even if you play 24 hours a day um because it you know it's a roundabout way of doing that so if you want a full um play set of cards it might actually be impossible to do that free to play i don't know But it is definitely harder than probably almost anyone can realistically do, at least for any sort of um, length of time. Um, There's another issue, I think, that some people don't like, the card trader, in that it doesn't really help a ton for um, filling out your collections. I think a lot of people are looking at the Hearthstone model of their version of dusting and crafting cards and and just kind of looking longingly over at that because the card trader uh, as we all know offers like a small assortment of random cards resetting a couple times a day and um and it's a little bit expensive but that's okay um so is the hearthstone method but you have this very limited pool and even within the pool it's further limited at any given time i remember for the first like two months of this game i was looking for thunder dragons for instance uh, because i needed a set of three to use it and uh, it was just taking forever for him to even offer the third one Uh, whereas in the hearthstone uh, version you can disenchant any card uh well almost any card they give you a few free ones for your characters that you're not allowed to disenchant but you can disenchant almost any card and then you can you get a small amount of dust comparatively uh, for disenchanting it and then you can spend a large amount of dust to craft whatever cards you want so it's a very expensive process it's very inefficient but it gives you this route to get what you want um without needing, forcing you to buy, you know, a huge amount of packs. The, people don't mention this, but the Konami, or the Duel Links method of uh, offering packs is actually better for collection building than the Hearthstone method. Um, At least up until very recently when Hearthstone kind of changed the way they did packs. But uh, for the two and whatever years before that, uh, Hearthstone had this system where if you bought a pack, you would get any cards uh, from the set. And that meant that you could get a lot of duplicates. Right. You can still get a lot of duplicates of um, the lower rarities, but the highest rarity cards you can no longer get duplicates. So that was a nice fix for, for Hearthstone. Konami has kind of already instituted that fix in that they have very specific and set and and. You know, advertised things as to what is in the box at any given time. So um, their packs are actually better in that sense that they give you more information and you know what you're kind of going for. And um, so the problem is a little bit mitigated in that sense and that it's easier to aim for cards, but it's still hyper inefficient and um, they don't have a method of trying to kind of get Get you some alternative value um, to help with that inefficiency. In that you can buy like, like I did. I bought 140 packs for six cards, or for four cards because I already had one copy of each, and that's fine. But it would have been nice if they had a system like Hearthstone's. I probably would have only had to buy like maybe 100 packs, and then I could have create crafted. the the last one of those four that I needed. Something like that would have been kind of cool. Um, A a couple of these people also complained about the competitiveness once you get to King of Games, in that those games don't really matter. Um, There's no, like, ranking within King of Games. There's no constant uh, um, Kaiba Cup... Um, so, I, I mean that's kind of a different problem that we're not really, really going to talk about here, but um, uh, that could be an easy fix if Konami wanted to fix that. I'm not sure if that's something that they're hyper concerned about, but... Uh, going back to the problem of the free-to-play, a, a related issue is the frustration with the random drops from legendary duelists, uh, especially the roaming legendary duelists, so you can't even like grind it out. If it's random, and it's a, um, you know, if, if it's random but it's a gate event, then you just try harder and longer, and eventually you can get everything that you need. Um, again, it might not be uh, enough time for a reasonable, like, you know, a person with a life to be able to do it, but it's, you know, you have to be really unlucky if you're devoting all your time to doing it, so you can just kind of choose. Um, but for, like, this um, mocha Bud event, there's a solid chance that you are, you can be the best player in the world, and, and uh, you can play more than almost anyone, and you can still not get the cards you need, and that's exactly what happened to DK'd where with uh, Super Joey, of course. And so there's that issue that could again be mitigated by a system like the uh, crafting system, um, if they kind of chose to revamp the card trader. So. Uh, I would say that those are kind of the main issues in these complaints. And we have no way of knowing whether or how they would choose to uh, work on the card trader if they're going to make a change there. So we can't really bank on that. So our fo- our focus is going to be on the getting gems and spending gems efficiently because that's something that we can um, give some advice on within the current system and we can hope that the card trader might change at some point but uh you know we we have no power over that we can't we can't really bank on it
0: yeah and just to go back to that aspect uh i was curious that Duel links is the only game where you can't craft stuff like all the other card games that came out after hearthstone have that system and I think they call Duel Links a different type of game. It's not like a digital card game. It's like they say it's like a virtual card game, on Wikipedia. It's like a different terminology. So there hmm. might just be like a different type of game. I, I don't know if there is any other game like it. I'll probably have to do more research. But the ones that all the ones that I've played personally have that disenchant system. Uh, to make anything you want. But Duel Links is special in that regard, so
1: um, yeah, and, and when you say that, just for the viewers at home, he's tried out, like, a ton of these digital card games, right? You played, you yeah, tried Shadow, out...
0: Shadowverse, I Gwent, Duelist, uh, Test yeah. Legends. I've played them all, yeah. They they all have that system. But Duel right. Links is the one that's different. So. Uh, and it, everyone probably has that perspective. They're saying, like, why all these other games are, like, Hearthstone, why isn't Duel Links like that? But there might be a reason to it. We don't We don't really know.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that they wanted to do was they wanted to give it more of a sense like, uh, the show where it's kind of, I don't know, anarchy, uh, where everyone has like these weird decks that all that are incomplete and, uh, you never know what you're going to see. Um, I think that that was kind of part of their original goal and that's why they made it Uh, with like random drops and that's why they made so many cards printed so quickly. I think they intentionally don't want us to have complete collections because they think it would be boring maybe for there to be like a settled meta in which you know which are the best decks and you can just go get three of this card and um, perhaps there's some merit to that since there's only 20 card decks so if everything gets too refined then it will be too good but uh, I think maybe they've tilted it too far in the opposite direction towards like because people want it to be competitive and when you're when you are making it into a competitive game by making it this esport that shows up at your world championships and you're giving out thousands of dollars worth of prizes for it then you kind of have to pivot a little bit because now maybe it's not what you wanted when you initially started but if you are going to follow that promise then you need to kind of make it more realistic and um as far as i could tell i mean that that happens to a lot of games that it seems like that kind of happened to hearthstone a little bit where they weren't intending for it to become an esport and then all of a sudden it became the biggest um virtual card game ever and um presently it's kind of the only one that really has like a big esports scene Uh, i know a couple other ones are trying so you know it's it's not always what the developer wants but if the developer wants to go with where the community is going because that's where the money is or they, you know, have changed their mind and they agree with the community or for whatever reason, then you kind of need to give the game, you need to adapt the game to this new situation that you didn't quite anticipate or want from the get-go but maybe now you want to. And since we live in a digital world where you can update your games, it's not like back in the day when you sold a disc or a cartridge or whatever and then once you sold it it was gone now you can update your game so i think that that's a good argument for doing so
0: yeah it's just an adaptation to sign up the times and yeah esports is making a lot of money i i own blizzard stock they're making me money it's crazy Crazy.
1: hey that's a good idea i should have bought some blizzard stock too and then i could be like no i'm not spending money on packs, babe i'm just spending my investment (laughs)
0: yeah all right so let's get to how to be better as a free-to-play player Uh, yeah six earning gems Uh, why don't you talk about earning gems and i'll talk about the next thing
1: yeah that sounds good so um green ranger wrote this really good uh point about the stage 38 dilemma that he's going to talk about next and um before we get into that though i want to just kind of Really quickly, give some basic, quick points about how to get yourself um, some gems, just in case um, our listeners either forgot or never knew. And um, some of we uh, I've got a sorry, got like hiccups over here. <laughs> some of uh, our listeners have been asking us for free-to-play guides, and uh, we have a couple like personal friends who joined after they saw what we were doing. So uh, we never know. There might be some new players in the fold as well. So. Uh, a couple things to do are: number one, make sure you check all of the free gem locations um, every time you log in. The free gem locations are the fountain, the uh, and the well on the screen with the fountain. Um, in the card shop screen, it is just kind of above the card shop door, and uh, you will note all of these places because when you click on it, there's a little animation. And even if you don't get the gems, there'll be a little animation. Uh, they seem to be based on like a timer uh, of chronological time, not a um, not like a number of activations timer. So you you don't get any benefit from just clicking it a million times. But make sure you click it every time you go in just to see if there's a, a couple of gems there. It's it's like one to five every time. It's not like a huge amount. Um, but so there's the fountain, there's on top of the, the game store, I guess. Um, there's the in the next one is the PVP area. So if you go to the right side and click on the lamp, I believe it's like the second one from the front. Um, and then in the final screen it is the trash can. Uh, so click those every time. Oh sorry, there's also a new one, a couple new ones. There's the dual replay. Uh, which you can watch once a day. And there's also, when there's like a new set announcement in the um, in the store screen, you can watch a little video about it and uh, get gems there as well. For the new ones, you can actually, I recently learned, skip the video. So you can go into the dual replay and just press stop and then it'll get out and you'll still get the gems. Uh, but I've also watched some really good games in the replay. So, you know, if if you're not in the mood, you can skip it. But if you are, that's fun. Um, another one, the next point is to farm easy legendary duelists. We were just talking about how it's especially good when you're farming um, the temporary events um, because otherwise you are not taking advantage of all of those keys that you get. So I was just talking about how I had... More than the counter allows me to hold, so I have over a thousand keys, and if I don't use them all, I think they get converted into gold. They used to at least, and um, at like a very inefficient rate. I would get like you know maybe a couple thousand gold or something like that, uh, which is not very valuable. But if I use them all, then I get you know ten, fifteen drops of uh, gems. Sometimes, sometimes it's just one gem, but. Uh, Very slowly, you know, that's a couple packs right there that I would have been passing up on if I hadn't done it. So, uh, definitely try that out, and even your normal Legendary uh, Duelists at the gate, when there's not an event going, you can also do it there with those guys. Um, You know, if you're playing against a Standard Duelist, you have a lot of keys. I haven't farmed Legendary Duelists for a while because I have almost everything that I need from them, but... Uh, just in terms of taking advantage of all the resources I have in the game, if I'm not farming them, then I'm not getting any use out of the keys, all of the many keys that I have from the standard duelists, from, um, from just auto-dueling them. So uh, you definitely want to take advantage of the resources they give you and farm a legendary duelist every once in a while, especially the easy ones, because you know, that's not a big deal, um, and try to get a few gems there. Uh, Another tip is to play some PvP. They've, of course, revamped PvP rewards, and they're a lot more generous now than they uh, used to be. And um, you should definitely try that out. I mean, we've we've talked about that before. They also give out the super rare tickets, so that's nice. Uh, Level up your characters, of course. Uh, That's probably the main and easiest way to get a lot of gems. Unfortunately, it's capped, unlike the other ones, because there's obviously level caps. Uh, I've reached the level cap now for gems on all my characters. (laughs) I'm definitely not the only one. Um, I've seen a couple posts on Reddit and stuff of people who are already at 40 with everyone. I'm at 39 with everyone um, and 40 with a couple. So uh, you get there, of course, by doing the standard duelist. The PvP is really slow, but you get some experience there as well. The events, just dueling. Um, The Vagabond is another great way Uh, obviously he's kind of like the booster the quick way to get there and a tip for people who are new there is that you always want to send it with the one card challenge if you're sending it to your friends and you, you tell them to do the same of course because you want to receive it with the one card challenge because for whatever reason they decided that even if you lose the one card challenge that one is worth more experience than any of the other ones even if you win the other ones so Uh, That's the best one to pick. And then the final option, and the segue into Green Ranger's section, is to increase your stage levels. Uh, You sometimes get gems from doing that, from either doing the, uh, the kind of missions within the stage or from the actual stage promotion. So why don't you talk to us about the Stage 38 Dilemma?
0: Yeah, this is something we wanted to talk about for a really long time. Uh, long ago, I was reading something on Reddit about people advancing to stage thirty nine, and there are often comments saying, "Don't do it." I've regretted it really bad, and I've taken this advice to to heart, and I am still at stage thirty eight for like the last five months or so. I forget, but there. This is not something that's definite, like what Deck Tech just said. What he said is definite, but this is something that you have to take. With a grain of salt. So let's talk about it. Um, what are standard duelists good for? Uh, I think they're kind of funny, some of them. Like, when they win, they're kind of funny. But um, you, you basically beat them. That's the point. You beat them for resources, your gold, your gems, your stones, your keys, and spare cards for melting or getting glossy cards. You beat them for EXP. And you beat them to get event pieces. So the goal is to just beat them and not really grind them out in a farm. It's all about time. And uh, for people who are free-to-play, we can assume that free-to-play players have smaller card collections. And this, obviously you're buying fewer packs, so you have fewer cards to play with. And this leads to fewer competitive deck-building options. So that's given. And we can assume that a free-to-play player has less time because they have to spend time to make up ground. They have to farm uh, duelists more than others just to get the premium cards instead of getting a card that's kind of there already in a pack. So, um, back to standard duelists. Um, They should be auto-dueled because unless you have a ton of time on your hands, you're probably dealing with something in life or work or school or something. So, I'm not telling you to auto-duel in school. You should watch what your teacher's doing, but (laughs) <laughs> Auto-dueling will let you do stuff, will let you gain resources and advance in the game while you're doing something else. And you want an auto-duel deck that will get you a really, really high win rate against standard duels. We all know auto-duel is really frustrating. They make really stupid things. They make questionable decisions. So you want a autopilot deck that they can't really mess up. With. Even if they mess up you want them to be able to win. Really high win rate. And of course standard duelists. They don't come back right away. So once you beat a whole set of them. They come back four hours later. So, um, The problem with stage 38. Versus stage 39. Is that stage 39 introduces a new set. Of standard duelist decks. That are much more difficult to defeat. Than stage 38. Uh, even if you refine your deck. With some stronger monsters the win rate overall isn't going to be as high as it was on stage 39 uh so i'm going to go into some of the decks stage 38 if you've stuck on stage 38 you would know the decks by heart pretty much there are some decks you win probably 97 percent of the time i'm just estimating with some of the things that mess up sometimes but like gemini monsters 2 magical hats spirit monsters union aid um there's, there's a flips for real deck, which takes a really long time for me. Uh, sometimes they deck out, but you still win most of the games. There are some decks that win a little bit more. Not too not too often, like they beat you sometimes. Graveyard Power, for example. Uh, if they get the Wonder Balloons going, sometimes you can't do anything about that. And Aqua Course, if they get the right-named monsters lined up right, they could sometimes overrun your guys. But typically, you just need some 1,800 attack monsters and um, if you have enemy controllers or mirror walls, those definitely win you the game. So let's go to talk about Stage 39. They have a deck called Angel and Mythical Beast. And this is Temple of Kings and Circuit with Twin-Headed Dragons. Not too difficult, but they have a card uh, Curse of Anubis, which is a trick that you know, none of the Stage 38 decks had. Coin of Destiny is kind of an RNG deck that's probably really frustrating. It runs three Time Wizards, one Blowback Dragon... Graceful Dice, Skull Dice, Second Coin Toss. So it's kind of like Farming Keith. Um, And you know how inconsistent that is. So it's kind of uh, really unreliable to win with Auto-Duel. Because the Time Wizard can just blow up your board. And with Second Coin Toss, the odds are better. Enraged Dragon is pretty much Rex Raptor deck. They have the three dinosaurs that you would run in Rex Raptor. And also Jurassic World. So he's starting off 19... 1900 attack beaters. They have field spell. And they also have a card that bounces your monsters. So that's something to look at for. There's a deck called Beat, And this one looks really difficult. They have a bunch of trap cards like Time Machine and Regretful Rebirth. That brings stuff back to the board. So even if you destroy their guys. They come back the next turn. And they have Flame Ruler. Which gets out a card called Firestorm Prominence. Which will destroy your board when it's destroyed. Unless you have Fire Monsters. The tech or the specific deck. Um, the auto duel is just going to destroy that monster they're not going to do anything else and that's going to clear your board and they're going to attack you they have some really strong cards too Um, a guardian deck runs three times for yoku so that's something that previous decks didn't have before legendary ocean gets out a orca mega fortress for 2300 attack with four stars pretty strong there and then there's a venus deck Uh, that's probably the easiest one but overall uh compared to stage 38 which probably had one deck one or two tricky decks this one has at least four at least four tricky decks so your auto duels are going to get worse results and you're going to get less stuff which will result in fewer gems fewer rewards fewer event keys everything which is detrimental um Obviously, there are issues. Uh, if you don't move past stage 38, you don't get the gem rewards from every stage. Sometimes they're like 50 uh, or 100 maybe. And um, But the good thing is your time's freed up, so you, you don't have to worry about completing tricky missions like getting 100,000 effect damage or something like that or something really tricky. So you could spend more time farming legendary duelists and doing things that are more important for being better in the game and getting a better collection. Um, The question is when to move on uh, from Stage 38. I think uh, an excuse could be made if you farmed all the Legendary Duelists of all the cards, like you got your three enemy controllers and Champions Vigilance and anything else like that. But it's hard to tell if there's going to be a new Legendary Duelist down the line that you want to farm and you don't really know. So uh, I'm not really sure if you you should ever move from Stage 38.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good question to ask. And I think that, um, there's definitely some room to debate there either way. Um, I'm at the point where it's a very good question for me to ask myself, uh, if I'm ever going to move on because I have been at 38 for a long time now and I am now out of gems yet again from the, uh, character leveling, I have everything that I need from the Farming Legendary Duelist, so, like, I've kind of ticked all of the boxes as to what I might be, um, you know, reasons why you might stay, except for just general uh, difficulty of farming, or of uh, auto-dueling them um, in, in the event, like future events, you know, where I still want to have the option of having all of these keys and, and everything. Um, there are, of course, decks that work for the um, work for the standard duelists as well. I've seen people posting decks that can auto duel the standard duelists at 40 and, and whatnot. So I think it, I might be pulling that trigger soon. Um, it always kind of hurts to advance them, uh, advance stage if you haven't cleared the standard duelist's and. So I just kind of haven't, I don't know, hadn't had a good opportunity to do so yet. So uh, I didn't want to switch from 38 to 39 without having like a plan in place for how to deal with the, um, the harder uh, duelists. So I didn't like, when I make that switch, I'm going to have to redo all of my decks and stuff. So I just hadn't kind of sat down to do it yet. But I think I'm at that point where I'm going too soon.
0: Yeah, when you do actually decide to move on, it's good to do a lot of the research to see if you have the cards that would uh, work in the auto uh for those decks. Um, yeah, I almost did it by accident, so I mean, I wasn't. I would have. I I wasn't exactly upset. Like I wouldn't be distraught if I clicked it by accident, like I almost did. But mm-hmm. like I feel like my collection is good enough, but I haven't farmed the SDs enough. I mean, the LDs enough to get all their cards. So that's where I'm at. I could, I, could, I could advance, too. Um, yeah. New players should definitely stay. That's the takeaway, I think.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely a big advantage to sticking around for a little while. Uh, um, for instance, whenever we have these gate events, it's really easy for me to get those maximum, um, like whatever they're called in for that particular event, the maximum resources. And um, that means that there's this lasting benefit to having this really easy auto-duel, um, for whenever these events come back in the future, and that's definitely not something that you want to uh, overlook. Because if it becomes a big struggle to face the legendary duelist or the standard duelist going forward, then you get less uh, options for the legendary duelist going forward. So that can hurt you for the entire game. So you want to be careful about the decision.
0: Right. And the caveat is that I only looked at the stage thirty nine. It's possible the ones at stage forty five get easier than the ones I just mentioned, but I don't think I think they're just gonna get harder or stay the same, personally, that's what I think. Yeah. All right. And our friend uh, Doug D- diamond Duel uh, from Yu Deck Talk Podcast, he wrote a guide um, about saving money when building your decks. So we have the link for you there if you want to check that out. Uh, cool. Do we have any shout outs this week?
1: Um, I I hadn't really thought of any, so well, I I don't think I do. All
0: right, um, I guess we could shout out to the community for, um, taking advice and growing and working with Konami collabor- uh, collaboratively to make a better game.
1: That's a good one. Good call. Good one. I second it.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, you can find this on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and any other podcast searching things. And also leave us a review if you can. That could um, pay dividends in the future for our audience. And uh, we do want to hear what everyone wants to say about the podcast. So leave us a review if you can.
1: Yeah, it makes us better. And um, everyone keeps saying that it helps other people find their podcasts. Um, I don't think we're yet at the point where our reviews show up. But we want to get there, Um, especially on iTunes. I think it's really important for visibility there's a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! podcasts, but not a lot of Duel Links podcasts, so if people are looking for that resource, uh, we, of course, appreciate your word of mouth, um, you know, helping them find it, but also, it uh, it's beneficial if they can kind of find it on their own through these means, so we appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it's like going to Yelp and not finding a restaurant with, like, no stars or something.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So, uh, any help is appreciated. You can find the podcast and more at our our new revamped website, thedualassessment.wordpress.com. We have a YouTube channel where you can listen to these if you have difficulty uh, getting it other ways. Uh, you can help support us grow. Um, give us suggestions. Um, what should we do better? Help us grow. Patreon.com slash dual underscore assessment. You mentioned something last week about specific requests, right?
1: yeah yeah you can when you give a patreon uh support then the default is that you do it on a month by month basis we have it set so that you can give as little as one per month one dollar per month or as much as you want uh, i think it's actually like one dollar and thirty cents now because it used to be that patreon would take the it's cut and whatever from um on our end but now i guess it attaches it on the front end but anyway, you can give a dollar and thirty cents a month, or you can just give a one-time thing by giving it, waiting for the first of the month, and then canceling. You don't have to have it up for you know multiple months, and um, you can always message us, uh, message us on uh, Patreon. So you can send it with your uh, donation, or you can kind of just send us a message on, you know, Gmail or through the Twitter or whatever, Uh, just get in touch with us if you want to see a particular thing. And uh, we would definitely, of course, uh, you know, use whatever donations that you want to give for that specific reason. We would, of course, uh, do so. Yep.
0: And those uh, avenues are um, email, the dualassessment at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, dual underscore assessment, me at Green Ranger HS, deck tech at HS deck tech. That's right. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye.